Expounded Universe, Season 22, Episode 10, Kel Domage. The book, Star Wars X-Wing Race Squadron by Aaron Alston, from 1998, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe. And if this is your first ever episode, welcome to Expounded Universe. Weird. I don't think we extend enough welcomes to new listeners. We got to do more onboarding here at the show. We have to do a lot of onboarding in the middle of a book. In the middle you. of the books. I mean, any time is a good time to onboard. This is probably this is always going to be someone's first episode. Someone's I'm Jeff. first episode. That's is, John. It's going to be like, ooh, what's this? You're two thirds of the way through a book. Hmm. That's where I need to start. Yeah. That's where it gets good, I hear. No. <laughs> Oops, you fucked up. You have made a mistake. <laughs> Although the episode might get good. It's just that the book doesn't. I no. mean, they're, they're two different products. <laughs> These are uh, two products alike in dignity, no. but separate in quality. And decades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, if you're if you're just joining us for the first time ever, hi, hey. welcome. This is this is uh, the the System Mastery family of podcasts, and this is Expounded Universe, where we discuss old Star Wars novels. Wow, at great length. Some say too great of a length. <laughs> Some say not great enough. Yeah, there are people who want us to do a page by page review. Yeah, mm. clearly. We want to get full into the word choice for each paragraph. There have been books where we have really wanted to do that. Like the one where he couldn't stop using deeply earthy words. Or she, <laughs> I think, was that. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, we are still pushing our way through Aaron Alston's Wraith Squadron, a book that be- begins a new story at the capstone of a different series of stories. When Rogue Squadron ends, Wraith Squadron begins. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we have to discuss what happened when last we left our heroes. Yes, indeed. When last we left our heroes, the Wraiths, mm-hmm. they had taken their ill-gotten gain, the Nightcaller, a uh, Krellian Corvette that they stole from Warlord Zinge to go dick around and find out what's going on. And mm-hmm. they went and found themselves a group of pirates and decided let's go hang out with them and then got ambushed because the pirates weren't happy with the previous inhabitants of the nightcaller any more than they were with the new ones turns out that when the uh, nightcaller showed up last time captain Dorelian, the former uh, and now deceased captain of the of the nightcrawler uh, managed to piss them off but escape with his skin and then decided to go back and try again at least that was in his logs of things to try uh, yeah i don't know why because it seemed like in the book when we were reading it last time that they just went here because it showed that they had gone here before. Yeah, yeah. I think rather that might than be like it. we've got a scheduled stop, they were like, "Oh, they went here before. Let's do that." Yeah. The other thing that's going on, of course, is that there are a shitload of irons in the fire in this book already. We've got a ton of new characters, one of which is dead now. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss that in a second. We've got like three different conspiracies going at once, where they have invented a new the. Imperials have invented a new kind of special super space mine. They've invented a new kind of robot parasite spy drone thing. Yep. They're plotting some other detail where they're doing a bunch of land grabs all over the galaxy in various neutral planets. Yeah. There's just a lot going on. Zinj has a lot of shit going on for what is essentially a guy that owns one big boat. 
Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, he has the Super Star Destroyer, Iron Fist. He has a bunch of other stuff, too. Now, but yeah. you know, granted, that big boat is, like, the size of a small country. Yes. But. I mean, a very small country, but yeah. I, yeah. I forget. I, Super Star Destroyers, I think, are something like 11 kilometers long. Which oh, is, I thought which they is were nuts. way bigger than that. I forget. I think 11's right. I don't. I, I remember that the victory classes are so on like half a kilometer. They're not as big, but yeah. For some reason, I had it in my mind that all of these measurements were like much larger, so that even the small ones were like maybe two kilometers. But I may just be out of my brain. Oh, it was slightly longer than I was remembering. The uh, the the executor class, which is what a superstar story normally is, is 19 kilometers long, which is roughly 12 miles. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, bigger than the smallest countries, the ones that are just like principalities, like your San Marinos and what have you, yeah. your Vatican, but not even, it, still not as big as even the smallest ones that aren't, like the micronations, like your Andorras, uh, yeah, uh, or your Paybasque. So, uh, so anyway, it's huge. It's a really big ship. But even then, the fact that he's like, ah, I've got like a bunch of weird, super high tech projects is the thing where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we have an experimental emp bomb that's a mine that the book establishes is like oh these are millions of credits to make one and they've apparently just farted them out across various spaceways yeah the mp on mines are just one of his things too and then also like oh we managed to make a self camouflaging robot that propagates itself and attaches to various spaceships and can send out signals, but is smart enough that if someone tries to get it, it'll self-destruct. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, those can't be cheap. And you've also made like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of those. Yeah, because the only thing they send out is basically their location. They're basically just GPS drones. Yeah, they're just G- little pings. And, and that means that what they're using them for is basically to map what, what the Activity. New Republic is doing with the space lanes and what, what planets are settling on. They're brilliant. It's a great idea. Yeah, it just um, gets you a nice little map of Where's activity happening in, in the galaxy? But we're like four chapters out now from anyone having mentioned that they already found one and disabled it and they're keeping it around on the ship to see if they can solve more information about it. There's just too much going on. Yeah. And but, and that's, as you said, all of that, in addition to every planet they've gone to in the night caller, is like, yes, and we've set aside special uh, property on our planet for... You know, secret project, mm-hmm. wink. And you're like, oh, there's too much. Zinja's doing too much. He does not have that much. He has one big boat. Stop <laughs> making it so that he's like, ah, I'm like the Empire. No, you're not. You're one dude with a boat. He's got, I mean, the thing is, Zinj does control a lot of territory. Like, yes, technically, he sits on the Iron Fist all the time, and that is his flagship. But he does basically control about a third of the remnant of the Imperial military. Which is which, weird. Which is a, a huge amount. So he actually has a lot of influence and power spread very wide, and he's actually quite dangerous, even though he is always played as a comedic buffoon. He's, he's, when you, when you look at your various, uh, made up after the fact Imperial officers, he's the big one. He's the big, yeah. he's, he's, he's the, the big, big fat mustache with a handlebar. Yeah. He's got the waxed tip mustache. He looks like an old timey ice cream man. <laughs> and, and, uh, it's, Ugh. yeah, like, or an Italian stereotype. So he's... He's, uh, you know, he's the comedy one, although he is actually quite dangerous. In fact, probably more powerful and dangerous than almost anyone we have already met. Like, he has a lot more shit at his disposable than, disposal than Hethrier ever did. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are certain ones where you're like, oh, you're dangerous because you're just, like, evil and insane. Yeah. Whereas he is dangerous because you're like, oh, you've actually managed to, like, 
become, I don't know, organized enough to threaten various parts of space. Mm -hmm. But still, that's a lot of fucking irons to have in the fire for a warlord. Yeah, yeah. Like, like even like I'd say the biggest one prior to him that we've even come across was old Nasty Dalla uh, and uh, Natasi Dalla, who uh-huh. who just had a fleet I think of four or five Imperial class star destroyers. Yeah, I think it was just four. So, and she technically had a Death Star, but she couldn't get it out of the Maw. So she was kind of stuck with a. <laughs> you know, I have a Death Star. I can't do anything with yeah, it. Yeah, it's got to trick you to fly into this big series of black holes. <laughs> if I can get and a then planet, get you into a series of black holes, mm-hmm. then I can blow it up. <laughs> Also, she foolishly squandered her her sun crusher. <laughs> the <sighs> yeah, the other thing that we had going on. Oh, sorry, you were going to say something. No, I was going to say uh, the other thing we had mentioned. We did lose one of the wraiths in our last uh, reading. Jesmin Akbar, niece of Admiral Akbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely bit it because obviously she would because we had an entire chapter where she's like, gosh and golly, if I die, don't hold it against these guys should that happen in the future, which it won't because I love what I'm doing and nothing bad ever happens to the Akbars. Yes, and the moment that she gets into a ship she imme- or an X-Wing, she manages to get a couple of kills and go, wow, I made it. I'm an ace. Hooray for me, everybody, right? Ow, I got hit with ground fire. Ah, I'm dead. I'm an ace. I finally achieved my goals. And oh, no. <laughs> her uh, her crash was pretty d- brutal, too. She uh, she got hit with some kind of ion fire from a ground-based tank, uh, which caused her ship to start falling apart, sent out a big, nasty electrical pulse that started electrocuting her while also killing her accelerator dampener so that she was feeling the massive acceleration of a full-speed X-Wing passed out and get pretty much her ship just fell apart on a moon. Oh yeah. It basically shrapneled like over the course of a kilometer on the moon. Yeah. And she is, they, they don't, they make a point of not showing the body, but they're getting ready to leave. I don't think she's going to be, Well, yeah, they never recovered anything. Yeah. They're like it turned into fragments on impact. There's nothing to go get. And you'd think that it'd probably be the most relevant point of discussion as to what happened in the last two chapters for this one. But I would actually say that her, erstwhile wingman, not her usual pr- permanent wingman, Mindonos, yep. uh, who survived this attack, but absolutely went full PTSD and lost his total shit and didn't help or react in any useful way, and is is probably going to be a more relevant story here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he lost his R2 unit. Yeah, Shiner. The only other survivor of the raid that the the, the prologue of this book was yeah, him. Talon leading. Squad. Yeah, his his poor previous command, Talon Squad, got defeated by an Imperial ambush, and uh, he or Imperial Remnant ambush, and uh, he and his droid were the only survivors, and he had a a uh, deep obsession with keeping that droid safe and alive, which we'd already seen mm-hmm. earlier when the Empian mine went off and fucked up Shiner because you know it's an EMP blast. Yep. And an ion blast at the same time because it's not enough to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. But we already know that if anything happens to Shiner, he gets fucked up. Yeah. And then this one was just like, ah, a well-placed blast that completely disintegrated this robot and left him untouched. Yes. You're like, ah, how convenient. But as we're going to see, uh, Mindonos, everyone, there's more than one person in the, sh- in the uh, crew already in the squadron who knows full well that he is suffering dramatically from 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 st- a stress brought on by his previous flights, and all of them seem to have kind of collectively decided that the most important thing is to keep this guy in an X-Wing. It baffles me. I mean, it happens 
throughout these two chapters that we're doing, and I'm not going to worry about going like, you know, paragraph by paragraph here and doing it all in order. Just the fact that it starts out and they're like, oh, yeah, uh, Donos, they say, has a concussion. And one of my very favorite things where Wedge is like, hey, Kel, I know you're all fucked up because you blame yourself for Jasmine's death because you tried to save her and it failed. Uh, but you don't see Donos doing that. He's got a concussion and he's sleeping it off. And I'm like, that's the wrong thing to do with a concussion. Yeah. Do not <laughs> sleep off a concussion. <laughs> yeah. No, having had one before, yeah, they keep you awake. <laughs> that is a dangerous thing to do. You're like, ah, you had a concussion. Well, just go to sleep. Nothing bad could happen. <laughs> just go lie down horizontally. Why don't you elevate your head? <laughs> and everyone you find out knows that Donos has gone, like, full unresponsive. Yes, and like, it's, it's wild because the... the squadron is keeping it from the superior officers and the superior officers know and they're keeping it from the squadron yeah both sides are like oh we've gotta try and make it so that we can cover for donos because you know if they if this goes in his record that he you know went unresponsive after a mission like this well they're not gonna let him back in an x-wing and i'm just reading this going fucking good don't do it that should be one up to him not your ass yeah and two get him the fucking help he needs yeah this man is not okay and you're like oh but the most important thing is that he keeps flying we can't let him have a day off imagine how sad he'd be if he wasn't flying he's very sad <laughs> you don't need to imagine what he's literally catatonic with grief in another room he has fucked up and has gotten to the point where he is now absolutely on the verge of losing everything mentally. And it's because you decided, ah, I know this guy has PTSD, but we should put him on Wraith Squadron anyway. Yeah. Because we think that's for the best. Well, because he was a good sniper. We need a we need an X-Wing pilot who's a good sniper. I mean, the whole idea with Wedge and Jansen putting him on the squad is like, oh, well, we can't let the fact that this happened stop him from being, you know, a good pilot. He's he's one of the best, and he should be out there flying because I know I'd want to keep flying. I'm like, that's, mm. again, not up to you. It's not your decision. Please but, allow this man to get help. Like, if there was any one person they should have assigned to this Corvette when they uh, rendezvoused with the New Republic a while back, a counselor would have been a great choice. Right? It's the problem with Star Wars. There's not enough Deanna Troys running around. You really want Star Trek for that. Yeah, that's the Although problem. She, she'd just be like, I sense sadness. And they'd be like, yeah, it's because he isn't flying an X-Wing right now. <laughs> yeah, he, you're getting uh, X-Wing withdrawal coming off of him. That's what that is. We <laughs> yeah, got to no, put this guy in uh, in a cockpit seat. No further questions. Just go lower your, your the hem of your uh, uniform a little more. <laughs> and, uh, and and the rest... The rest of it, yeah. Put some put some cleavage uh, makeup in there. That's that. Thumbs up. Good Thumb, job. Good, good you job. Did it. Good job, Deanna. <laughs> and she's like, still better than canon movies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, this this is a fucked up chapter. But we we uh, we open with uh, they they've managed to leave the pirate ship or pirate base behind. The pirates have sung a lot of useful information what they knew, but ultimately they couldn't know that much because they never had a particularly strong contact with the with Zinj and his people. Uh, and also, as we're getting ready to leave, the New Republic has sent in a bunch of people to clean up. Yeah. So there's a bunch of more ships out there. But 
before they can get out there, because they're like, oh, we want to take all of their fuel and whatnot and use it for our X-Wings and take all their shit, because, you know, that's what we do Mm -hmm. uh, in the Republic. You keep what you kill. Yeah. And they first have to go, uh, Wedge has to go to Kel and be like, hey, you're our demolitions guy. Yeah. You need to go make sure, because this is a pirate base, I assume everything is rigged to blow if you fuck with it the wrong way. Yeah. We're going to need you to take care of that. But as I mentioned before, Kel is having his own PTSD where he is having essentially psychosomatic nausea. Yeah, he's guilty. He's feeling very guilty because despite the fact there wasn't any chance at all of him saving Jesmond, he was the closest and he tried the hardest to do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, Wedge straight up is like, I'm going to recommend this guy for like an actual citation for bravery because he did a maneuver that if it had worked would have saved her life. It was crazy difficult and he managed to do it well. It just isn't enough when a entire fucking X-Wing is out of control, spiraling to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So he basically, after uh, he talks to the doctor for a second, talks to Fanon, Fanon's like, look, he's in there. He's, He's just holed up. He's got some serious guilt going on, but he's also got a lot of nausea. I don't know what's causing it. There was a loose cable coming out of Jesmond's X-Wing that was shooting high voltage everywhere. It might have gotten him a little bit, too. And Wedge is like, yeah, it's bullshit. Whatever. And he just goes in there. He's like, get the fuck up, you dumb shit. Hey, How you feeling you sorry for yourself? Fail me again. Huh? He- you feel like dirt? You feel like a baby? <laughs> baby need its bottle? Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> You're a loser. <laughs> so, um, anyway... Uh, he goes in there and, and just starts berating him. And, and Kel's like, what the fuck are you yelling at me for? What did I do? And he's like, I'm sorry I didn't save her. And he, that's not what it was. You, de- you displayed incredible heroism in doing that. You you do you did all kinds of flying that's amazing. You always do. You're the best demolitions guy ever. But I can't count on you for shit. Because every time you mess up even a little bit, you go into a useless-ass guilt spiral. And you switch from my best man to my best doorstop. Now get the fuck out of bed. Yeah, your biggest problem is anytime someone depends on you for something you freeze up and guess what we're fucking depending on you so get over it and i'm like god damn wedge yeah wedge is pissed off i mean he's that's probably he's mostly just mad because he has to go write a dear admiral akbar letter in a minute so but but uh, here's the thing what kel tries responds to this you know like a soldier by getting the fuck up but immediately doubles over in pain because of stress-induced cramps and i gotta tell you i was feeling it i don't like kel ah kel's Kel's not my favorite thing. He's, I think he kind of sucks. But I have a crippling fear of heights. Yeah. Like I have acrophobia really bad. And I used to have, I, I wasn't, it was a job. I was just the, the, uh, at the top level of being a junior lifeguard instructor. Yeah. Uh, as part of being in junior lifeguards. They just made that their, their top kids be instructors as well. Top kids. So, I mean, I was the oldest and I was also a real lifeguard and play water polo. So it kind of put me above other swimmers a little bit. Not that it's important. Um, but crippling fear of heights, my job two times a summer was to teach a bunch of tw- like 10 to 12 year olds how to jump off a 50 foot high pier. Yeah. By demonstrating, uh-huh. by getting in front of 300 people and jumping off a pier correctly. <laughs> and it would give me these, these fear cramps, like knowing I had to do it hours yeah. in advance would give me these, I cannot move cramps. Uh huh. And no one could yell at me enough to get me to get up and move. I'd stand up and I wouldn't, I just go back down. And the only way for me to survive it was to just go, okay, fuck. All right. My body can't hurt for that long. And then three hours later, the cramps would subside, and I'd go jump off the fucking pier. Yeah. It, it wasn't that I just needed to get yelled at. I just needed to get ignored, to 
be left to my devices, and then you could yell at me. Yeah. Just need to let that, whatever chemical it is that was doing that, work its way through. But no, Kel, of course, is like, I'm too angry to, I don't know, be doubled over in pain right now. Ha ha, I'll stand up and do my job. And in fact, you know, uh, he has Tyria show up later, and he's, you know, doing demolition shit. She's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, well, uh, I am both horribly nauseous and vomitous, but also doing my job. Everything was, in fact, rigged to blow on this fucking station because it's pirates. Uh, at least I did manage to do my job. I did not, however, manage to hold down any of my lunch. So I did vomit while doing this, but it's fine. Everyone's alive. Yeah. Yeah, sure enough, it was rigged to blow. They did really need him, but I guess they couldn't just wait a couple hours. Nope. Uh, mean, And then she... I'm wondering what she's doing in there while he's changing anyway. I'm like, oh my God, did these two hook up while we while we were off page? No, don't worry. Th- don't worry about nope, that. Not they, yet. Not yet. So in, instead, they're in there being conspiratorial because the two of them have come to a decision that they know what's wrong with Mindonos, especially after, in light of the Shiner incidents happening twice. They're like, all right, whatever it is, it's got something to do with Shiner, and Shiner is the only other survivor of his last squadron, so it's probably some connection to that. And they have a conversation like, should he wash out? Like, this might be what's best for him. And then they're like, no, X-Wings are best for him. Yeah, we know what is best for him. We, as pilots, assume we know what should happen for this man. <laughs> and here's, the thing is, both sides of this conflict, and I'm not even counting Mindonos, who is just a pawn in an unfortunate game, Yeah, uh, want the same thing, which is for Mindonos to fly X-Wings regardless of his mental health. And all of the pilots are like, okay, we got to cover for him and make excuses. We've already said he's got a uh, a concussion, and then we'll just say he's recovering from that, and then we can try and take any duties he's got and just say that he's somewhere else if someone shows up, and then someone else can weaken it, Bernie's him, and we'll yeah. just have two people on either side. Just carrying him around. <laughs> it's going to be fine. No worries. We'll, we'll make him do that lazy sign-off thing that we, that Bernie did. It's going to be okay. Uh, we'll even have a scene where someone goes upstairs and declares him amazingly good at sex. <laughs> all right. All we need to do is get some steel drums going, and then Donos <laughs> will start dancing. We can save that for the sequel. <laughs> like, all of them are very clearly like, oh, he's incapable of doing anything, but we need to not tell our superior officers because then we are concerned that they will send him somewhere else. Yeah. Now, the reason I, I'm bringing it up that it's like two sides, but they both want the same thing is because story structure wise, the moment you read this, you're like, oh, wow, these people all suck. They should be getting him the help he needs. Then you go, oh, but they are all gung ho pilots for the New Republic. That is the life they live. That's like assuming that like one of the members of Top Gun would try to gracefully get Tom Cruise to quit when, he, when they saw he had a real injury, as opposed to just being like, fuck yeah, buddy, you need to fly forever. Because, you know, it's yeah. the mentality. The problem is that the book doesn't have that counterpoint that you need as a steam release. You have Calenteria being like, this guy should fly forever, versus Wedge and Janice, or, or uh, J- Jansen being like, this guy should fly forever. We need like, I don't know, Squeaky or Cubber or someone to be like, that guy should probably retire. <laughs> that guy's probably earned some rest he's <laughs> fucked he shouldn't have been here in the first place and then you fucked him up worse you took a perfectly good pilot and you fucked him up yeah like i get where they're all coming from because they are all part of a lifestyle that rewards flying x-wings above literally any other activity there is in the world and i would be 
more on that side of things. Oh, I'm not on their side. No, no. I'm saying I would be more understanding of that mm-hmm. if they hadn't all just come together as a squad like a month ago. Because most of the people on here aren't pilots as like, yeah, that's what my thing is. Like half of them are, oh, I'm a, I was a ground forces guy or yeah. I was a doctor or scouter or hacker, you yeah. know, or an experiment. Yeah. And so you have this full breakfast club level of fucking losers in here. And for some reason, they're just like, no piloting. That's what he needs. But I mean, if you think about it, we know that Runt is trying to help him. That gets mentioned here that Runt has been spending hours just sitting in Donos's room with him, trying to convince him to switch to a brain that isn't crazy. And at least that's the one person that sort of makes sense. Cause you're like, Oh, from his cultural perspective, the way you deal with mental illness is to be a personality that isn't mentally ill. Yeah. You just siphon, they, they just siphon off that part of their, or uh, sector off that part of their personality. Uh, and in, in Runt's case, they aren't even doing that because they use their craziest personality as their pilot. But, um, but they, they're having like deep reservations and feelings that they want to help. I don't think they're on board with this whole, Weekend at Bernie's bullshit. The only people who get mentioned as part of the conspiracy are Kel, uh, I think Phelan, uh, Face, and T- Anteria. No, and sorry, not Face, F- uh, Fanon, the the doctor. Yeah. So it's those four who are into it, who, in on it, and the rest of them are just like, yeah, we just want whatever's best for them. We just don't know what's going on. We're living on our own little worlds. Like I think if Piggy was in on this, he'd be like, this dude needs actual help. But you would think, I don't know, like. I guess they are lying to the rest of the crew then as well. I think so, yeah. Like, Fainan just goes, uh, yeah, I'm his doctor, and he has a concussion. And Piggy just goes, no further questions, (laughs) and fucks off. I'm sure your (laughs) gentle, tiny human heads can handle no damage. I mean, because Piggy in particular, if anybody knew about this, the, the one who'd be most likely to get mad would probably be Piggy. Yeah. Because Piggy is the result of mental torture as an upbringing form. Yes. For him to be like, you're, you're doing what to him now? You're, you're, why, why are you doing that? So you can keep one X-Wing pilot? Yeah, you're going to do a horrible mental torture later on so that one guy stays in an X-Wing. And even then you're like, ah, oh, good. He's going to be in that X-Wing. You're like, until what? Until what? He like freaks out again? Is that what you want? It's not like there's a shortage of things you could have him do. Like you're on a you're on a capital ship. I mean, almost Corvettes aren't capital ships; they're they're mid range. But but there's plenty of crew positions on there. You could keep him working without having to constantly expose him to the specific trigger that caused him to go like this in the first place. Yeah, or ground his ass and be like, "Look, if you come out of it and decide you still want to be part of this, yeah, we'll keep you as a sniper." Yeah. So. Anyway, that's all going on. That's we're, we're both pretty grumpy about that, having just read these two chapters. Yes. But there's a lot more going on here besides just that. Uh, I mean, we have... Uh, Kel finds out that Wedge and Jansen know about this because uh, we get Jesmond's funeral, mm-hmm. which, uh, because obviously like no her body. and the X-Wing disintegrated on impact, they just fire a photon torpedo... Or Proton Torpedo. I forget which one's Star Trek and which one's Star Wars. <laughs> Photon is Star Trek. I don't think Proton is... I don't think Star Wars does e- either Ton Torpedo, but they do fire an energy torpedo into the sun to make it do a big firework. Yeah, we get a big explosion, and that's 
their symbolism of that because they yeah. don't have a body. And they have face give a eulogy because he's the best at that kind of public speaking shit, which leads us because we're doing a Kel point of view for the funeral to be like, I don't know how much of this is real and how much is just the artifice of a trained actor. And I'm like, dude, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> don't second guess face right now. You don't know what he's going through. Uh, yeah, I assume face did not care about Jesmond at all. Like any his- actor, he cares nothing about anything except the craft. <laughs> Everyone loves that movie. <laughs> yeah. If you start talking to him about Feruza Balk, let me tell you, he's going to get into it. I wish I could use magic to give myself a bigger ass. <laughs> Look, we all do. Uh, but yeah, Jansen is like, hey, Kel, there's, you know, in the fight with the pirates, a bunch of uh, couplings and various bolts and things and stuff came loose during the fight in the Corvette. So I'd like you to help the engineers and go you know, get things set. You're already our go-to guy to help out the engineering squad. Yeah, go help so cover. Just, you know, help retighten stuff. And he immediately assumes, oh, this is because I fucked up. Yeah. He's this is, still in his guilt complex. Yeah, he's in his guilt complex. And not only that, but it's coming from Jansen, who he, both of them are, are still, as of this moment, convinced that the other one is going to try and kill them at some point. Which, what is the squadron? Yeah. Is it worth it? Is it <laughs> Let worth me it? work it. Couldn't you find another demolitions guy? Like, especially the moment you got your own ship to fly your X-Wing dudes around on, did you really need the con- the concept of X-Wings that are flown by ground commandos anymore when you could now just put a bunch of ground commandos on your ship that you have as well? Huh? No. No, because this the whole point of Wraith Squadron is to do stuff that doesn't have a fucking night collar. We just happen to have one now. <laughs> so dumb. But yeah, he because he's he still hates Jansen, he's convinced that this is a punishment detail. And not only that, but that it's going to be a permanent punishment detail. That from now on, he's just going to get KP. Uh, oh yeah, as long as they're on the night collar, he's like, oh, I'm going to get busy work because I failed. Yes, he thinks it's because he failed. Truth is, Jansen just gives it to him because he's a qualified engineer and cover needs the help. Yeah, he's like, you're the only person on the squad that helps the engineering team, and we would like this to get fixed. But Jansen also doesn't trust Tainer farther than he can throw him right now. And Tainer, or Kel is an imposing and scary dude. Yeah. Like, he's he's huge, he's very muscular, and he is always hiding in the shadows a little bit. He just looks like he's ready to fight all the time. So he, he uh, when Jansen gives him the order, he's like, Tainer, I need you to do this. All right, bye. Like, he doesn't explain. If he just said, like, hey, because you're, like, a super qualified bomb disposal engineer, could you go help him out? Instead, he's just like, you're on this assignment. Good day. Yeah. So Because neither of them want anything to do with the other yeah. one. Which leaves Tainer in the position that he thinks he's being perma-punished. And we, we, when he has a conversation with uh, with Tyria about this later, he even says as much. He's like, yeah, don't look for me to, to me for help with uh, managing what Donos is or isn't doing. I'm on bullshit duty, and I think I will be for forever. Yeah, I I can't be on the left side of the weekend at Bernie's yeah. of Donos. I gotta go fix some bolts. Because the vice dean of the college hates me. I'm on double secret probation. But, uh... That's when he finds out what's going on with Wedge and Jansen because he is hanging upside down from a ledge trying to tighten up a panel that got loosened. And that's when Wedge and Jansen walk into the room, don't see him because he's, you know, up in the rafters fucking hanging yeah. upside down. Well, technically, he's he's hanging upside down. He's in the Star Wars equivalent of a Jeffrey's tube and hanging upside down into it. He can hear the room below him, but he's not visible. And... The two of them are like, well, what are we going to do about Donos? And of course, at first he's like, oh shit, they know they're going to get rid of him. But the conversation is immediately like, well, I suppose next time we need 
X-Wings out in a formation, we can just say we're going to send a half squad and always make it that Donos is on the half squad that isn't there. Yeah, or we'll just assign him into training duty or something. Anything we can do to keep him out of a, out of an X-Wing as long as possible because he needs to snap out of whatever this is before we can clear him to fly again. But it is clear they know he's in something and he's in no shape to fly and they're in no hurry to get rid of him. Yeah, and this is a big revelation for Kel because Tainer's like, oh, my assumption because... Jansen killed his dad for mm -hmm. going rogue, essentially. Yes. He's like, oh, I just assume, because that's what I heard as a kid, that this is the type of guy that will murder you for fucking up. Yes. He's been convinced since he was a really little kid that his dad was given virtually infinite chances and refused all of them. Or, sorry, was not opposite. given opposite, was not given any chances, was just shot out of the sky the moment he flew rogue. Yeah. Instead of being like, hey, you need to come back, or hey, I'm going to shoot you if you don't do this. It was just, no, Jansen's the kind of person that if if you don't play by the rules, he'll kill you the first moment you get out of line. And that's a ridiculous thing to believe, because Jansen is in the New Republic, and they don't do that. <laughs> like, you'd think he'd get drummed out the second or third time he killed someone in his squadron immediately because they didn't do a training right. Yeah, but this is like weird childhood yeah. fears that Jansen has. Way too many weird childhood fears and stuff in this squadron. It's it's not great. It's like a squadron of Batmans. <laughs> Yeah, like Hohas, who had a horrible time when his parents died, and then he was like, I must become a horse. <laughs> oh, no, he was always a horse. He's pretending to be a man. That's right, Bill, you fucked up. <laughs> Your monologue sucks. Everyone knows that monologue sucks. I do like the defense that people come up with that, you know, Bill's not a comic book expert. Plus, he's he's a mean idiot who tried to kill his girlfriend because he thought she might leave him or something. Like, yeah, he's not wrong on accident because Quentin Tarantino is dumb. He's wrong because he's dumb and stupid and Bill sucks. Yeah, but he's also wrong because Quentin Tarantino is bad at media. <laughs> <laughs> also true. <laughs> anyway, so he overhears this and Wedge leaves and Jansen stays in the room and he's kind of like considering, well, what the hell can we do to make sure that Dono stays here, and Kel decides this is the perfect time to fucking Batman at this guy yeah, drops, in apology. <laughs> drops out from the ceiling and just crouches in the shadows, and, and fucking Jansen, who's a highly trained marksman, especially specifically with a pistol, just whirls, plants his back against the wall and points a pistol into the no, darkness. No, he tries to, but he doesn't have his gun on him. Oh, that's right. He He's like, ah, yeah. oh, fuck! <laughs> And goes for his gun, which isn't there. And then, like, Kel comes out of his crouching murder position is like, hey, Jansen. And <laughs> Hello, like, Jansen. Jesus, fuck, I would have killed you, man. What are you doing? And he's like, I was wrong about you, Jansen. You're not the type to murder someone if they make a mistake. You and me, we're good. It's not and then really. he leaps into the shadows. Yes, he Batman's away again. It's not quite that simple. Like, he drops down. He's like, hey. Just so you know, I just heard everything. And he's like, what, what, what are you talking about? What do you think you heard? He's like, that. Nah, don't fuck with me. You know the same thing about Donos we know. And I don't know how you know, but I know you know, and now you know we know. We're all working on it, okay? And also, I wanted to let you know all my fears that you are going to kill me the way you killed my dad, because I thought you just killed anyone who failed you in, in the slightest way. I realize now they were worthless childhood fears. We're not friends, Jansen, you and me. I don't you're always, like you. You're always going to be the man who killed my dad. <laughs> you're the man who shot my paw. And now, to the shadows. <laughs> what? He just jumps back up to the ceiling again. Leaps 
straight up into the rafters. Jansen is just like, what did I just see? What the fuck just happened to me? A man batman at me. I got batman This yeah. is crazy. It's really leaving me wondering how far from the ceiling he fell and jumped back up. Like... Like, I assume he's in a hallway, so it's like six or seven feet at most. It'd be so funny if he just leapt 20 feet back up to the top of a hangar deck or something. Whereas I'm just, (laughs) I read that entire thing and I'm like, damn, Tainer, you should be playing ball. What the fuck are you doing? You got hops. Get out of here. Hey, you know how Tyria got force tested? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, man, ball is life. Get out there. So yeah, he scares the absolute shit out of Jansen and then goes off to have the uh, the co- another conversation with Tyria, who, by the way, when he had the discussion with Tyria earlier where he agreed to watch uh, Donos and help with the whole plan, she kissed him on the cheek. And he was like, now I don't know what to do with oh, that what shit. what does that mean? What the fuck? She's already shot me down when I, when I used my most ham-fisted pickup line ever. Hey, I absolutely am in love with you. <laughs> that one always works on yep. women I've known for a day. God damn it. God damn you, Tainer. You're the fucking worst. So now she goes and kisses him on the cheek, and he's like, the fuck was that? Oh, wait a minute. I get it. It's because I just came out of, like, a a shame spiral depression cramps. Yeah, we had a whole discussion in previous chapters where it was like, oh, women are attracted to men who are broken. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, I can nurture and fix them. And so he's like, oh, I get it. Because I fucked up, and I'm the reason Jasmine got killed, and I'm in a horrible shame spiral that's why she's like that. But at least to his credit, he's like, yeah, but I would rather have self-confidence and be okay and have her not be attracted to me than be in my current state of affairs and have her want me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a thought. I mean, if I were him, I'd just be counting my blessings. I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's a situation I've been into, Cal. I get it. And, and there's nothing so great as the people who I've dated in the past who are okay with pushing past when I don't know how to play it cool for the first two days. <laughs> uh, I get it. When I'm like, hey, you and me should totally date and stuff because I think you're great. And they're like, whoa, whoa, let's, let's bring hey, it. Hey, man. Hey, I'll tell you what. How about, how about just a dinner? How about, <laughs> hang on, chill. <laughs> yeah. So, so he should be just thanking his stars and not instead psychologizing that it's because she thinks he's a wounded bunny. Yeah. It's bullshit. Fucking piece of crap i fucking hate kel and i'm about to hate him even more (laughs) because we get i do want to do the letter first oh sure yeah just before we get to the the coup de gras of the episode we get we get the wedge sitting in a room with a drink and a pen and trying to figure out how he's going to write a letter to admiral akbar that his niece is dead and he keeps starting it and then being like fucking akbar knows that shit already oh yeah because you know it's the kind of thing where he's like Sir, I regret to inform you of the death of Jesmyn Akbar. And he's like, oh, that sounds like I'm doing a form letter. I yeah. can't do that yeah. to Akbar. And then he's like, okay, I hope you're, uh, pl- please be seated. Oh, wait, I don't want to give him a foreboding sense <laughs> please of dread. Please be seated. I forget what it is. It was like, it was with a heavy heart, I must inform you of terrible news. Yeah, with a heavy heart, I must let you know that this letter is the bearer of bad news. And he's like. I mean, one, no, whoever gives him the news is the bearer of bad news. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't want to have it be like, dread. I mean, it dread. won't be dread. He's not going to send a letter to Akbar if Grinder dies. The moment he opens the le- the moment he gets a letter from Akbar at all, and it's not just a communique of some kind, he's like, oh, my niece died. I mean, he, he's- I mean, no. Wedge is the leader of Wraith Squadron. If he gets a communique from Wedge, it could just be, 
hey, we took over another Corvette. We did a dumb thing again. Yeah, I think the difference here is pretty much getting a written letter and a folded New Republic flag in the mail. <laughs> when that happens, you're like, okay, yeah, I know who that what happened here. Except we know he's like, oh, I'm just gonna send this, this off. off in an email. He's, yeah, he's gonna get an email that's like, oops, your niece dead. <laughs> All also, my niece gone. <laughs> Re the hack you sent me earlier for how to clean old Converse shoes. Your niece died. <laughs> Forward, 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 forward. Don't you hate when this happens? You ever get one of those from your parents where they don't quite understand how email chains and Facebook stuff work, and so you're just talking to them about something else? You're just like, and they're like, yeah, this is, uh, I decided for Christmas this year, I'm going to I'm gonna build a train track around the Christmas tree. Oh, by the way, your uncle died. You're like, <laughs> no, that's never happened to me. Oddly enough, my family has tact. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm descended from the from the black sheep's of two families. <laughs> Both my parents are just black sheep's to their own families, and so and so <laughs> there's none. They're always just like your uncle died. By the way, you had an uncle. <laughs> By the way, you had an uncle, and I hated him. <laughs> yeah, if I want to know anyone on my mom's side of the family, that is my problem. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, uh, yeah, he he spends. Basically the entire night sitting there writing and rewriting this letter to Akbar. Yeah, just kicking himself over and over again. He knows her first name. Yeah, I don't need to tell him uh, your niece, Jasmine. He knows Jasmine is his niece. I don't need to put that in there. I don't need to say that I'm sorry at the start because that's centering me. Yeah, just a lot of going over things. And he does eventually get like a full letter that's just, hey, uh... We took on some pirates. Jesmine managed to become an ace and then died. Yeah. Regrettably, but also, it was a trap. She rules. <laughs> yeah, she was great. The whole letter is like, Jesmine was awesome and her legacy will live on through her deeds. She destroyed five evil men in various types of ship. And if she hadn't, they would have gone forward to do more evil. She was a net positive on the on the galaxy. She saved Folor base and all the like men and women on that station owe their lives to her and everything that they do forward from now on is part of her legacy. And so it's a very nice, you know, heartfelt letter, but I mean, they can't be easy and he's had to write a lot of them. Yeah. And he has a moment where he's like, I'm, I have a bit of pride that I've never been able to just sit down and go, well, time to knock one of these out. He's like, it is always hard. And I've had to write, Hundreds of these. I should really do a form letter. I should, dear sir or madam. <laughs> Your relative has perished. Your relative dead. Oops. <laughs> Here is a collection of consp- of comforting life hacks. Comforting life hack. <laughs> Use the twist tie from bread. And you're like, wait, what? Cry directly into the toilet. Get a two-liter bottle and cut the bottom off. Now turn it upside down. I'm going to give you a link to a five-minute crafts video. To make flowers last longer, microwave them. What? No, that won't. <laughs> Wait, none of this is true. What are you doing? Oh, no one ever actually tries life hacks. <laughs> Every life hack you've ever seen is horseshit. My favorite one I've ever seen is the one where you can make a cake by b- mixing some shit into a, into a quart bottle of milk and then microwaving it. Because... microwaves aren't ever big enough to put a quart bottle of milk in standing up. (laughs) I mean, I've only ever seen it as the mug one. Well, the the milk ones are great because whenever you watch the hat closely, you can see that they have cut the bottom of the milk bottle off so it'll fit in the microwave they have. (laughs) They don't care if the hack works or not. No. (laughs) So, So anyway, 
let's get to the uh, let's get to the the really exciting bit of this when when Donos wakes up. Yeah. So we get the start of the second chapter from Donos's perspective, and he is reflying the same mission where Talon Squadron died. Yeah. And you know they're chasing after the uh, Thai interceptor that was getting away. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, we gotta we gotta chase this down. And he starts, you know, going like, oh no, we we can't follow them. We gotta we gotta try and get out. You're all gonna die. So he tells calls out to number twelve, who I think was the one who survived the longest with him last time. It was like twelve, don't go down there. You're all gonna die. And she's like, I know we're all gonna die. It doesn't matter if I die up here or down there. I'm gonna go die. Yeah, I'm, we're just all gonna go fly into the ambush and into die. The ambush. Yeah, and you know he's like, no, you've. Eight, you've got you my communications officer. You gotta you gotta turn around. He's like, No, man, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna go die now. And you don't care if we die, because you don't care if you die, so why should we care about you? Mm-hmm. And throughout this whole thing, you're like, Oh, he's you know having a bad dream, right? He's catatonic and yeah. he's just reliving his failures over and over in his head and trying to figure out a way that he could, you know, win, but his brain is torturing him, and you're like, God, this is a fucked up thing for him to have and as soon as you know all of them go off and he sees them go into an ambush it ends and he was in a simulator yeah they crowded his catatonic self into a simulator and the first moment he has a a chance to know it's wrong is when the x-wing cockpit opens the wrong way because the simulator cockpit opens from the side while an x-wing cockpit opens from the back so as the light starts streaming in from the side, he's like, wait, that doesn't make sense. What's going... No. And then he sees fucking Fainan and Tyria and... Phelan and, and Kel. And Kel are all there. And realizes that they just put him in a simulator because, again, way back in the beginning of the book, they used Donos's mission as a training simulator for everyone but Donos. Mm-hmm. So they already had this entire thing on file to use. And then they just used it on him. And very rightly, when it opens up, he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to kill every last one of you dumbasses. There's even a part when he's in the simulation when he talks to Eight and Eight has the wrong voice. He's like, huh, that sounds weird. Oh, it won't matter, though. He's about to die. Mm-hmm. And he has that thought. And he's like, Fuck, that is fucked up for me to think. Then the re- yeah, he feels fucked up for thinking that. And the reason he has the wrong voice is because it's face doing the voice. Yeah, it's it's all the four of them doing the voices of the various people that he is contacting. Yeah. So they just force him to relive his his big moment of failure because they've installed his big moment of failure as a fucking video game on the in the lounge <laughs> of the ship. I'm sure that's very comforting to him whenever he wants to go relax and eat a drink a diet lum or whatever. You sit there back, right behind him, the beepity boops, and like every once in a while, to be like, "You cannot defeat Sinistar, Mindonos." <laughs> yeah, I I wonder if they told him because I know that they used it for the training thing. But when they were like, "Hey, we're gonna have all the pilots in and do some training stuff," uh, Donos, you don't have to do this one. He's like, "Why?" Yeah, you got to assume that he's never that, that this has never come to a head before because he's never gone near that simulator. Or else he'd know, and he'd be probably kind of grumpy about it. I mean, I, I assume you have to load it up. Yeah. It's not like you get in there, and it's like like a Neo Geo where you scroll to the side. I guess that's true. You're you- like, oh, what do I want to do? Uh, Folor base. <laughs> I guess that's uh, true. Ambush of Talon Squadron. Ambush of Talon Squadron? What the fuck? 
Mindonos bathroom specials. <laughs> Why is this in the simulator at all? Oh, San Francisco Rush. Okay, there okay, we, we go. go. <laughs> Hydro Thunder, sweet. Ooh, Bushido Blade. <laughs> Mega Man, the Power Battles 2. <laughs> what the fuck? Fuck yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tattoo Warriors? Wait, what the hell is this? If this thing has even one of the Marvel caps, I'm, I'm in here for the rest of the day. <laughs> Everyone out. <laughs> Except for one person who wants to play me. <laughs> who wants to get their ass beat? <laughs> My storm game is wicked. <laughs> All right, so so anyway. Um, he, he leaps l- out. lunges out. But Kel, who again is a big brawly murder fighter man, just p- puts him on his ass and is yelling at him. Yeah, everyone else, you know, when he goes to leap out, gets out of the way and Kel's just like, nah, we're doing this. Yeah. We're gonna okay, we're fucking fighting then. I'll beat your ass, man. I just forced into your in, into your biggest regret. Yeah, you've been, you know, basically catatonic for a week. And so I'm going to absolutely wreck your mm-hmm. tile tired atrophied ass. So he lunges at Kel and Kel just kind of sidesteps him and shoves him so he falls on the ground and then jumps on top of him. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we're gonna have a conversation, you piece of shit. Hey asshole the people who died, died in vain unless you fly an X-Wing. And you're just like, don't, no, don't do that. Yeah, they basically try and browbeat him into giving up. And he's like, the fuck, you had no right to do what you just did to me. And they're like, you have no right to act like you're acting. Uh, <laughs> How dare you have PTSD? <laughs> and he's like, that's my decision, isn't it? And they're like, no, you're endangering all of us by by uh, not giving it your own, by having weird freakouts about <sighs> your droid and shit. And he, he's like, Okay, well then fucking ground me. That's what I'm trying to accomplish anyway. And they're like, no, you also have to fly the X-Wing. We hate Get it in the you robot. En- we hate it if you endanger us by not flying, and we also hate it if you endanger us by flying and being shitty. So you have to get over all of your trauma now, immediately. And get in the Ava, Shinji. <laughs> Ray will have to fly it again if you don't. <laughs> Uh, but basically, they just browbeat him for a long time until they finally... Tyria they, manages to discover, oh, it was Shiner. It was Shiner. Shiner was the break, the breaking point, and it's it's an easily understood reason why. Like, I'm surprised no one put that together the first time there was a problem with Shiner. They're like, oh, Well, yeah, yeah but it's because the, the only one who knew was Kel, and Kel doesn't give a fuck. Well, also, yeah, because anyone they told, including Tyria here, is just like, that's just a fucking droid. Who cares? And he's like, no, I actually do care a lot about droid rights. That is that is a real thing for me. Like, and also, the only other surviving sentient person from that, because droids are sentient beings. Yeah, yeah like, like it, it's weird that you guys are like, wait, you're just cr- grumpy about a droid? I shot two of them on my way in here for fun. <laughs> Sometimes I like to torture them. I make them feel pain for fun. I'm always pushing them out of the ship and watching them float slowly away. They'll spend eternity slowly dying. <laughs> and I think that's funny. <laughs> but yeah, they're just like, oh, wait, so you're you're grumpy about Shiner dying, even though Jesmond just died, you piece of shit? And I'm like, yeah, that's a false equivalence. That droid was intelligent. It could talk and reason. <laughs> yeah, they, they were both, you know, sentient beings. Members of the squadron putting themselves at risk for the, perp- for the betterment of the New Republic. And they both died. Yeah. Also, no one mentioning the droid that Jesmond had. <laughs> Who had enough presence of mind to say goodbye goodbye when uh, Tainer's R2 unit was like, 
hey, can you do anything about this? He's like, no, we're going to die. Like, goodbye. Tell my family I love them <laughs> and that I am a sentient being with feelings. Bye! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up across the board, but that's just one little flavor of fucked up in the middle of this this melange. God. And that's when Tyria finds out and she's like, oh, it's because that was the last other surviving member and you were like, as long as I can keep Shiner safe... I haven't completely failed. That's what's fucked you up. Mm-hmm. Is because now you feel your failure is complete. Right. And he's like, so what the fuck do you want from me? And Kel's like, either learn to fly correctly and be a member of this team or kill yourself. Which is like, dude. Wow. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> you are the worst human. Because if you wash out, then you fail the people who died so that you would survive. And if, uh, and if you fly correctly, then you're honoring them. And the only other way out is to kill yourself. Cause that way, at least you're not washing out. You're, you're erasing your uselessness from, from, from the timeline or whatever. But even if, even if you kill yourself, it'll still be terrible because then all the people who died will be like, ah, my, <laughs> my family member died following a coward. But if you get back in an X-Wing, they'll be like, ah, they died following a fighter for the Republic. Yeah, I think the problem you're coming into here, not only is this just some deeply steep-seated bullshit talk coming out of Kel in general, it's also implying, assigning way too much importance to these people. Yes. Like, the people who died in Talon Squadron, their families are not at home right now being like, I sure hope that one survivor keeps flying, or else I'm going to abandon myself to grief and despair. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm going to go ahead and say... They don't care, or if they do, they're like, well, at least one guy managed to make it out alive. Yeah. Yeah, this notion that he should go off and fight until he dies to honor the rest of them is like a a little disingenuous, and also levering into it by being like, you have to do this so those families don't give in to the nothing. It's like... (laughs) If you don't do this, then they'll become part of the Heartless and then join Organization 13. Do you want Eight's family to sink into the Swamp of Sorrows? Uh, yeah, you remember your wingman, Artax? <laughs> Just like, like, uh, but anyway, he's like, yeah, I think that, that the people in the squadron probably do want me to die because I failed them. And they're like, that's bullshit talk and you know it. No, none of those people want you to die or fail. Mm-hmm. They were your friends and squad mates. They want to see you succeed. And I'm like, all right, at least that's somewhat of a decent thing to say, whereas everything else coming out of your mouth has been just the opposite day thing to say to someone. Yeah, this has all been horse shit from the start. But eventually, we do get a moment of recognition on Donos's face where he's like, okay, okay, fine, fine. I will work on myself and I will learn to fly correctly again. And then he wants to apologize to Phelan, which is weird until you realize that Phelan's had a big crush on him the whole time and he's been incredibly standoffish about it because he doesn't want her to be welcomed into his bullshit. Yeah, he's like, look, I, you know had a whole thing where I was like, oh, I can't have friends because if I have friends, they'll die and mm-hmm. that's bad. So I decided I wasn't going to have any relationships. Yeah, And, and T- Tyria is, is like, yeah, I was the same way. I did the same bullshit because I watched all my friends die already once myself because of the whole joint, you know, being a scout thing. Or whatever, yeah, whatever, the Empire Rangers fucked up her planet. Yeah, Alteran Rangers, whatever they're called. The Topwara. Yeah, so... So a top rawa, yeah, top rawa, um, the top ramen rangers. That's right, the top ramen rangers. <laughs> so she's like, "Hey, I get that, but you have to get over it. You have to change your mind and realize that friends are actually a valuable resource because otherwise you'll just wallow into death." You know, and we also get uh, 
Kel being like, hey, and I got over my whole deal where I wanted to murder Jansen. I don't have that anymore. I'm fine now. I fixed myself. And he's like, oh, what did you have to do for that? Oh, I had to hear him admit he was worried about you. This all happened about an hour ago, by the way. I'm way better than you. <laughs> about an hour ago, I overheard a conversation, but now all of my problems are fixed. <laughs> I no longer have hatred in my heart. I let go of it. Yeah. So they're like, all right, we'll go to bed. We have like four hours till briefing and you're going to be there. And he's like, okay, fine. I'll go to, I'll go to bed. And they all escort him off to bed. Uh, but Tyria and, and, uh, Kel who go off into another room so he can try the same pickup line again, but it works now. Yeah. So Kel's just like, Hey, Hey, I just want to, you know, let you know. Fucking all the shit you did. Did you mean it about the whole, like, you can have friends now? And she was like, yeah, no, I decided friends are good. And I've realized that. And he's like, great. And I, I wanted you to know that I realized that, you know, when I was in love with you and I said that, that that was bad and wrong. She's like, good. And he's like, and I decided I'd rather be friends with you. Well, that's also good. But then I also decided I'm in love with you. <laughs> and she's like, what? What the fuck? Okay, fine. God damn it. Let me ask you the same dumb question again. How lo- much have you thought of me today? Oh, pretty much all day. Unless I was getting yelled at by uh, by someone in particular or yelling at someone, I was thinking about you. And instead of saying, well, that's deeply fucked up. One of your closest colleagues just died and you just brought a guy out of PTSD and you watched a droid die and we uh, we almost lost everything just today. And you spent the whole day fantasizing about going on cute little dates with me. Yeah. And she's also like, oh, and how much how many of those fantasies were I clo- was I clothed in? And he's like, F- most of them. I- I'm dreaming about our whole lives together. It's I'm-, I'm dreaming about the cute ways we could live, you know, after all this is done and what we mm-hmm. would decide to do. And I'm like, okay. Once we officially beat every single possible Imperial so we're allowed to stop doing this. <laughs> oh, I dreamed about inviting you to meet my family and them inviting you in. Mm-hmm. And we'd all be a big family family yeah and she's like oh well you said the magic word because i am i am of a womanly persuasion and therefore desire domesticity and family times yeah and she jumps on top of him basically tackles him and then kisses him and he's like oh weird okay so you're into this she's like yeah i've I've been in love with you since the moment i saw you i've just been waiting for you to say the right set of code phrases that activated my vagina that's how people work (laughs) yeah i wanted to be with you but i knew that you were in love with the wrong version of me Mm -hmm. and instead of i don't know working on that i decided to be an asshole to you because that was better (laughs) fucking children (laughs) the lot of them i was like what Yeah, I think the admission of love was what ruined this part. Everything else was like, fine, she's decided that he's changed. She wants to give this a shot. Maybe she's just going through some shit. Maybe this isn't even real. Yeah. Maybe this is just Jasmine died. Everyone's uh, tensions are running super high right now. Yeah, people are grasping at any sort of comfort they can hold on to. There's a shitload of emotion running around in here, and sometimes that leads to some just regrettable fucking sex. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes, the regretful sex. (laughs) Regretful sex is different than regrettable sex. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is also different from regretting sex. And wistful sex. <laughs> ah, nostalgic sex. <laughs> you want to have sex like old times? Ah, <laughs> oh, this is both comforting and painful. <laughs> so, um, 
But yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's the easier way to read this is that the two of them are, yeah, he's trying the same pickup line again, and this time it works, and she's like, I've always loved you or whatever. It's much easier to read this as, no, the, these two are dumb fuck idiot children, and they're all they're just saying some bullshit, and tomorrow they're going to be like, oh, fuck, we fucked up. <laughs> uh, I, I was really hoping that this would, because I knew they were going to get together. Oh, of course. But I'm like, I wish... Any number of things had been different. You know, if he had been like, you know, I thought I was in love with you, and then I thought I was just going to be your friend, and now I've decided I would like to try for more, but I'm not going to say I'm in love with you because that's, you know, a child's idea of how relationships and emotions work. But instead, no, he just goes for that. Or I also kind of wanted when Tyrion was like, I was in love with you from the moment I saw you, and have him go, how much time did you spend thinking of me? That would have been fine. I would have been okay with that as a return line. Especially if that was the last bit before we do the tasteful fade to bl- the, to Star Wars sex black. Yeah. You know, to be like, oh, well, how much time do you spend thinking of me? Oh, let me show you. And then they fade to black. That's, yeah. That'd be fine. But instead, we get yet more conversation that just makes the whole thing feel like they're about to make some serious regrets. And then we cut to the briefing at the end of all this dumb, tawdry bullshit. Yeah, we go into the mess hall and Wedge comes in and finds everyone looking extremely tired, but okay, and he's surprised to see Donos there and, you know, active and even laughing. Yeah, he's drinking a coffee, he's laughing and talking to the other people, he he seems, well, he definitely has bags under his eyes and looks like boiled shit, he's probably okay. Yeah, I mean, he's spent a week lying in bed, he doesn't particularly look good. Yeah, and then with the powered, uh, aged, honed senses that only someone of 29 years of age could possibly generate, huh? he looks over at Kel and Tyrion and is like, well, those two fucked. <laughs> Well, those two keep making eyes at each other like, oops, we fucked up. They're also way tired, but tired in that way where it's like, yeah, we fucked. So. (laughs) Tired in that way where he's like, I got the stinky dick. (laughs) So. So he's like, well, some shit went down, apparently. Everyone looks fucked up and tired. Uh, All right. Well, anyway, uh, I got to run through the plan of what we're going to do next, because there are a few smart. We've spent the entire episode talking about the dumb psychological bullshit that happened in this. But there are a couple of housekeeping details. Number one, there was a conversation between Warlord Zinge and and, uh, Trigget again, in in which in which uh, Zinge said to Trigget basically like, hey. You know that that ship of mine, the Nightcaller with Darillion on it? And he's like, oh, yeah, with the captain by that dumb fuck fanboy of you who thinks he's all pompous and shit? Yeah, the yeah. the the only ship that has a more boring detail than mine? Uh-huh. Yeah, what about it? And he's like, uh, I noticed recently that like the last four missions they did, immediately after they left, that base got w- wiped up by either commandos or X-Wing squadrons. They're being shadowed, and I, I'm going to want you to figure out who's shadowing them and deal with it. And he's like, oh, okay. Uh, I would deal with that, but I've got information for you. All of those little parasite droid things we sent out uh, have been showing a lot of activity in a place that we thought was otherwise uninhabited, mm-hmm. uh, including some activity from the Borlaus, the ship that got away. Mm-hmm. And Zinj is like, oh, you really want to go try and murder those people you couldn't murder before? And he's like, yeah, kind of. Kind of, a little bit. I mean, I'm, bit. I'm a vindictive Imperial. I'm we kind also, of a dick. We're also starting to see their relationship sour. As yeah. Zinj is needling him for, for being one of Isard's old pet projects and shit. It's not, their their happy, well-structured well, uh, relationship is definitely falling apart as the book gets later, and we need to make sure that everyone knows these are villains. Well, yeah, Tri- 
Thing is, Trigon is fucked up enough now that mm-hmm. Zinja's like, oh, I'm not going to treat you with the respect I gave you before. Yeah. Now I'm going to be kind of a condescending we're, asshole. We're not friends anymore. But he's like, great. Well, I'm going <laughs> to assign- friendship with Trigon ended. Yeah. So he's like, oh, sure. You go to that planet and take out whoever you want. I'm going to assign, I don't know, the provocateur. And you know what? I'm going to send the Nightcaller. That way it'll be closer to you and you can do your mop up easier. Yeah, so you can go do your thing and then it'll already be there for when you want to go set an ambush for whatever Imperial squad is shadowing them. And then Zinj calls the Nightcaller, which they didn't think it was going to be Zinj. They thought it was going to be Trigget. And so they were prepping. They had face ready in his station to take the call. But all of a sudden, the hollow screen is full of a stereotype as it's Zinj with his big old wax style Mario mustache popping up, who's just like, hello, dumbass Captain Darillion. Uh... Anyway, your job is to go do the thing I just mentioned a second ago in the podcast. Uh, but before you get to do that, I want you to make sure you rendezvous with this supply ship, the Hawkbat, and they're going to want to come on board your ship for an inspection. Yeah, the Hawkbat is being sent to, you know, resupply you, get, get you all the fuel and uh, food and all that you should have, because, you know, I assume you are running low on that, even though they definitely aren't because they got resupplied by the Republic. Yeah. So they're like, oh, yeah, sure, that'll be great. And their biggest fear, it's weird, they seem to think that they're going to have to play their way. I'm sorry, that conversation ends, and we now go back to the briefing, and that's what's going on here, where they're like, how are we going to deal with this? They're going to want to come on board. The Hawkbat's going to find shit. And Phelan's yeah, they, first thought they is... They have to have a conversation with yeah. Darillion in person. And Phelan's first thought is, well, shit, they're going to notice that we only have two TIE Fighters. We're supposed to have four TIE Fighters. That's not going to work. And I'm like, yeah, also you filled the hangar bay with X-Wings and racks that are specifically designed to hold X-Wings. I feel like that might be more relevant. Also, Darillion is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least when they went, oh, yeah, but TIE Fighters are literally just anywhere you look. We can stop yeah. by whatever planet and go, hey, can we get a couple TIE Fighters and... I don't know, some hot dogs. <laughs> well, I like that they were like, well, Phelan's like, well, we're a squad of commandos, and I in particular am a vehicle commando and a TIE fighter expert. Put me down on any planet, and I'll steal two and have them back to you in an hour. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Or we can just go to the local space Costco and get a two-pack, and it's way cheaper if you do it that way. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be in a dumb color, but you have to make some kind of a sacrifice. <laughs> they're going to have one weird clamshell for both of them, and it's it's a pain <laughs> in the ass to get into. But... And you know, for most families, if you don't have a bunch of kids, you don't need two TIE Fighters. <laughs> but if you do, boy, is it ever worth the savings. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they're like, this isn't going to work because Darillion is still dead. We can't, we can't do that. And Fainan, the doctor p- pipes up with like, what if we just told them we were real sick and they couldn't come over to this ship? Yeah. We've got some sort of plague on board and they can't come over because we would infect them. And they're like, okay, that's the worst OPSEC joke I've ever heard. If you, if they come up to us and we're just like, we've all got the Zargnillion testicle flu you can't see us don't come on board they're gonna be like that is the most suspicious thing anyone's ever said ever yeah especially given that they're like we're already being shadowed by yeah the uh uh republic so then also saying like no you can't come on board we're all very sick (laughs) (laughs) cough cough barf (laughs) barf barf Well, okay, says Bartholomew. <laughs> so, well, okay, says Fainan. What if they get too sick to come on our ship? Yeah, and Wedge is what like, if they come down with a plague? <laughs> and Wedge is like, how the fuck are they going to do that? Well, they have we have their record of where they're going to go, right? That's part of the intel that dump that we we pulled. What if we go to the next planet that they're going to go to and use our commando skills to infect them with a poison so they get too sick to leave their ship? And that way, when they come resupply us, they just do it all remotely with droids or something. 
I can do that because any planet they go to is going to have a hospital, and I guarantee you, you put me in any hospital, I'll come out the other side with a big bag of diseases. <laughs> if if you got a planet and they got a hospital or, ooh, baby, a center for disease control, ooh, like a kid in a candy store exactly. full of diseases. They have to call it a big bag of diseases because they're Star Wars. Here on Earth, we just call that a Ted Cruz. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> but yeah, he, Wedge is like, uh... All right, well, that sounds insane, but I guess that's the plan then. We'll just fucking break into a hospital, steal some diseases, infect the crew of the Hawkbat, meet the crew of the Hawkbat. When they cough too much, we'll say, you can't come on our ship because you're gross and sick, and then they'll just send over our supplies, and then we'll go to the other planet where I guess we'll help the New Republic fight the other three ships instead of harm them. Uh, we haven't really crossed that bridge yet. We still aren't sure what we're going to do when we go rendezvous with Triggett. Yeah, I mean, they're like, at least we know Zinge isn't going to show up. Yes. So we will have a Star Destroyer, but not a Super Star Destroyer. Because yeah. we can pull enough firepower from various other places and send it to this spot to be prepared for these ships to show up. Yeah. But if we had to pull enough to deal with a Super Star Destroyer, it would become obviously... It would become obvious that we were pulling... Uh, manpower and ships off of other things, and they would become aware that we were aware. Yeah. The other problem, of course, is that when they, even once they do that, like once they send enough Mon Cal cruisers and X Wings and everything there to fight off the Star Destroyer and save that zone, it's going to come off real weird when Zinge calls and they're like, yeah, uh, the only people who survived are us, the ones who are already being conveniently shadowed by the New Republic. Uh, you still trust us, right? We can still keep doing this night collar bullshit. I, I gotta wonder. If, I mean, I assume it'll be the end of that part of the book. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like, okay, how do you get out of this? How do yeah. you how do you manage to be like, oh, we show up and there was fighting and they were prepared, so we just left. Yeah, and then Zinj won't like that either. So my guess is that this is just going to be when cover is blown and they have to switch tactics. Possibly. Could be. But in any event, that's the end of the chapter is like, fine, that's the next. Oh, the end of the chapter is him saying, great. Now, why don't you all go get a day's rest? You look like you could use it. And then they all burst into laughter over that. <laughs> Freeze frame. <laughs> yeah. I went to a different one. Well, you said freeze frame, so I went to the Jay Giles band song. Whereas I actually went to, you know, that's also fine. I've just always wanted a movie to end with a freeze frame and the song freeze frame. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, so there you have it. That's the two horrible chapters where nothing good happens. Everyone makes shitty choices, but it's okay. And everything turns out fine. And it was for the best. Yeah. Don't worry. It's important that Mindonos never leaves the X-Wing. God, get in the X-Wing, Donos. I hate it so much. I was already so angry that they had him on the squad to begin with. I know. And then this happened and I'm like, see, this is why he shouldn't have been on here. And instead of being like, we've learned a valuable lesson, they're like, we should double down on that. I also like that one of the small things that happened in this chapter was Wedge, because Fainan, I believe, is still grounded for something or other. He did something wrong, so he's grounded. Oh, he lost his X-Wing. That's right. He lost. So now his his R2 unit, which had been pulled aside for one reason or another, has, has been assigned to Donos, who's like, I, I, I got to say, get him a new one. Don't get him someone else's. You don't need to start another complex. Uh Get him a fresh new one named, I don't know, I would like to die. You know, so Hi, it's okay. I'm if- expendable, your new R2 unit. R2 dead, please. 
I'm R2 made peace with myself. <laughs> it's okay if I go. <laughs> or just get him one that isn't sentient at all. Yeah. You know, just, just put a good computer on there. <laughs> Why does it have to have thoughts and feelings? Just, just, yeah, just put a, just plug up that X-Wing hole with a computer and then the rest of it up with like clay or just something. Be like, hey man, dude, you're getting a Dell. Yeah. It's <laughs> fine. You're gonna cram a Dell into that seat? Yes. Well, until we Hello. make At- <laughs> until we make At- or leave Atmos, she'll sing a beautiful song, but then I think she'll be quiet. <laughs> all right, that's all. Uh, Please support our Patreon. Yep. Patreon.com slash system mastery. Four dollar level will unlock the bonus content for this. That's right. We'll go find dumb Star Wars stories from Wikipedia and tell them to each other and to you. There are other levels you can support us at as well. Two bucks unlocks some content. Ten bucks unlocks a lot of content. All of them help us keep doing the thing that we love to do, which is make these dumb shows. We make content for you, and in order to make that content, we gotta get real paid. That's so please go support us on Patreon. If not, go buy our new tar- tarot card deck. If you pre-order it, it'll help us make more books. It's uh, it's on Amazon. It's called the Ultimate RPG Tarot Deck. That's right. And you need a tarot deck for your RPG, probably, right? That makes perfect sense. Go buy one. <laughs> buy it. Go buy it. Do that for us. Do us a favor. It's rad. It's full color and full of cool art. And we wrote the joke, the little book that came with it. So you know there's jokes. You know there's jokes. So, you know, go do that. Otherwise, patreon.com slash system mastery. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Elan Sleesbagano. And I've got this great idea on how to deal with PTSD. <laughs>